6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. The latest now on the deteriorating situation in Afghanistan. The Pentagon now says there was just one suicide bomber at one of the gates to Kabul Airport, not two. Those were the original reports. Afghan officials are now putting the death toll in yesterday's attack at 170. 13 American soldiers were killed in the bombing. Afghanistan's a branch of the Islamic State group known as ISIS-K. Um, is being blamed. Now, despite the attacks and new threats, the U.S. is pressing on with evacuation flights. One of them carried another 500 Canadians out of Afghanistan last night. The Immigration Minister, Marco Mendocino, says the government is going to continue to work with the U.S. and other countries to establish these air bridges wherever it can, even beyond Tuesday's American troop withdrawal. We don't know exactly how many Canadians are still in Afghanistan. Phil Gursky is the president of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting, the director of the University of Ottawa Security Program and a former analyst at CSIS. Phil, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jalen. Nice to talk to you. I wish the circumstances were different. Yeah, me too. Now, it seems that everyone uh, saw this coming but just didn't think it would happen as fast as it did. There had been intelligence reports for months about the Taliban's uh, gain in Afghanistan. How should the, you know, the allies, the allied governments uh, been better prepared for this? Oh, wow. Um, I, I think this... You know, I hate the, the, the term intelligence failure because it kind of hits close to home for me, but there's no question the intelligence was there, Jillian. I've been following the news in Afghanistan for years now through open source because I don't have access to classified intelligence anymore. And these attacks have been going on daily uh, for years mm-hmm. in Afghanistan, not just by the Taliban, by the Islamic State, Khorasan. The information was there. I just think that there, the decision has been made to withdraw the U.S. forces, uh, you know, once and for all. And I don't think that people really maybe paid as much attention to the intelligence that they should have because mm-hmm. they figured the game was over. You know, there's a lot of armed armchair generals <laughs> out there right yeah. now as well saying, hey, we should have done this, we should have done that, uh, laying the blame at the feet of, you know, you name it, depending on, you know, where you stand on, on whatever. Where do you believe that the blame needs to be placed or, or should we be blaming anybody and maybe including the Afghan National Army? Yeah, you know, I, I hate pointing fingers. I hate instant analysis. I hate <laughs> post facto expertise. This was probably bound to happen regardless of what had, what we were doing. The difference here, Jalen, is that the Taliban have been very careful in the last couple of years at not targeting U.S. forces. Mm-hmm. They killed thousands of Afghans, but very few American servicewomen and men. Uh, Islamic State and Khorasan is a very different beast. They're an Islamic State affiliate, and we know what ISIS did in Iraq and Syria when they were there with the so-called caliphate back in 2014 to 2019, you know, burning people alive, drawing people in cages, raping little girls, all that kind of stuff. This is a different actor, and I, and I think a lot of people dismissed Maybe the strength of Islamic State in Khorasan. I mean, they are not the size of the Taliban, but they're they're a typical Islamic State sort of wannabe, and they they do things to shock the world. And that's exactly what happened. But I don't know if I would blame anybody per se. Okay, um, you know, it's it's you know, there's a lot of questions now about okay, what happens when what happens when uh, the U.S. leaves next week? What happens? You know, everyone else has 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 pulled out this vacuum that it creates in in Afghanistan. So we have the Taliban. Taliban, we have ISIS-K, um, the group uh, that was you know, being blamed for the attack yesterday. Al-Qaeda is still very active. What does it look like for these extremist groups in this, in this country uh, moving forward? And what does it mean for the rest of the world? Wow. Um, well, if I'm going to 
extremists I'm celebrating today because, of course, the world's remaining superpower has been, quote-unquote, defeated uh, yet again by by basically Islamist extremism in Afghanistan, much as they were in Lebanon in 83 and, you know, when they left Iraq, etc. I think there's a real risk that groups, uh, as you mentioned, Al-Qaeda, there's dozens of other groups, Jaylin, that have been in Afghanistan for decades now, might see this as an opportunity to grow their organizations. Uh, you know, one thing that people aren't talking about, which kind of surprises me, I'd be worried about an, uh, an outflux, if I can call it that, of more so-called foreign fighters. Now, you and I talked in the past about Canadians who join ISIS and join Al-Shabaab and Al-Qaeda. I'm thinking there's probably people in this country that say, woohoo, the Taliban have won. Conditions are perfect. We can go there and create whatever it is we want. We'll get support. So I, I, if I was CSU's the RCMP, I'd be ramping up my sort of investigations on Canadians who may have expressed interest in joining these types of terrorist groups in the past. Phil Gursky joining me this afternoon. Phil, it's been, you know, I mean, it's it's been uh, yeah, heartbreaking and, and frustrating and angering and you name it, watching what has happened there over the past uh, number of weeks. And if you, you listen to some of the interviews that the, uh, the Taliban leaders have been giving and recently they did one with actually the New York Times and in really trying to present themselves as a little bit more moderate than before. And uh, the spokesperson um, that uh, the New York Times spoke with just yesterday said that we want to build the future and forget what happened in the past. Um, you know, obviously, the number of people we're seeing trying to flee the country, they don't believe any of it. Do you believe that there is going to be any moderation whatsoever by the Taliban that has taken control of Afghanistan? Well, I can't swear on the radio, Jalen, so I'll just say horse feathers to what the Taliban have been telling us. Uh, I have no reason to believe they've modified their stance in any way, shape, or form. I mean, if they do, it's an added bonus, I suppose. But the Taliban is still a misogynist, hateful, extremely fundamental, violent terrorist organization. They're still listed as a terrorist group here in Canada. And if I'm working at CSIS or in in security intelligence or the government, my working model is that they are the same people they have been for the past 25 years. And I I need a lot more evidence to show that they've changed their tune. Again, will they act more carefully? Uh, Obviously, when they they gave a haven to Al-Qaeda, in the, in the late 90s, which led 9-11, you saw what happened. The Americans came in in force and, you know, took over the country. So they might be a little smarter this time in terms of being so openly supportive of terrorist groups. But um, you mentioned Afghan people fleeing. I'd be fleeing too if I could because the working the working hypothesis is that you're going back to Afghanistan in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And if you're a young, young woman or woman of any woman, uh, you know you have no rights in that kind of society. Phil, we know that uh, the Taliban and uh, the and ISIS are enemies, right? Um, they are they are enemies. What is going to happen in Afghanistan between the Taliban and this ISIS and ISIS K? With what we're seeing here, do you think? I'm not sure as I'd go as far as to say they're enemies, Jalen. I certainly have their differences, and we and we've seen Al Qaeda and uh, other groups, and you know paint ISIS as being too barbaric. I mean, the, the successor to, to um, bin Laden, Emil Zawahiri, basically chastised them for some of the depravity they got up to in the 20, 2010s. But bottom line is, they're cut from the same cloth. Mm. The only difference is that ISIS tends to be a little more brutal in its tactics than Al-Qaeda was. We see in other parts of the world, in, in the Sahel, in North Africa, the two groups actually cooperate, ISIS affiliates and Al-Qaeda affiliates. So I, I don't think there's anybody that knows exactly what's going to happen. I don't think the Taliban like the attention that ISIS is going to bring to Afghanistan. But bottom line is that these guys really aren't all that different. I mean, they really do believe in the same types of things. 
is. Phil, yesterday the U.S. president said that, uh, have no doubt, we will hunt you down and uh, we will, you know, pretty much, we'll, you know, heads up, you know, we're coming for you. What does that look like for the United States and, and, and how could that possibly happen? Would it just be like blanket bombs somewhere? Like how, how can the U.S. retaliate at this point? I sincerely hope it's not blanket bombs, Jalen. And that's what got us in trouble post 9/11. What I would advocate, and, and trust me, and you're listening, I'm not a military yep. guy. I never worked in the military. I worked for you know in security intelligence for three decades, but not in the military. What I see as the ideal best way to go forward, if there's to be a military response, is the kind of pinprick thing you saw when Bin Laden was finally captured after a decade in Abbottabad, Pakistan. You send a special team in based on the intelligence you've got. You go in, you get them, you get out. No must, no fuss. You don't stay. One of the problems that you know. I think feeds Islamist extremism in many countries is, is the fact that you stay there for decades. Yeah. As we you know, we were in Afghanistan and a decade in Iraq or you know, a decade and a half in Iraq, I'm hoping that they rely on their intelligence agencies, the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, signals intelligence, to you know find the leadership of this group, target them, and if they you know you can catch them alive, great. If you have to take them with the drone strike, great. I don't lose sleep over this kind of thing, but you know. If you don't do it carefully, you get us in exactly the same situation we got on December 10th or the 12th when we decided to send 100,000 U.S. forces into Afghanistan. And look where we are 20 years later. That's what I was just going to say. You know what? Uh, the U.S. invaded Afghanistan, what, 20 years ago next yep. month in the wake of 9-11, toppling the Taliban uh, regime. Uh, you know, and here we are coming up to the 20th anniversary in Afghanistan is once again in the hands of the Taliban. It is it's mind-boggling. It's, as Yogi Berra said, it's deja vu all over again. And I think that, and this is no disrespect intended to the U.S. military. I, I think it was a political decision by the Bush administration then to do this. And I thought, you know, again, having tens of thousands of troops on the ground rarely works because you end up doing things that, that alienate the local population. A drone strike goes awry or a traffic accident ends up killing civilians or they die in a firefight with terrorists. And that just feeds the terrorist movement. They say, look at these guys are here killing no more no ordinary Afghans. They're not on your side. So I don't, I don't know, Jalen. I mean, I wouldn't want to be in the White House right now. Um, obviously, the guy that carried out the attack, well, he's dead. You're not going to get him in, in, anymore. Mm -hmm. But if they can locate the Islamic State and Khorasan leadership and target them, that's probably a, a, at least I would say, I would expect they would do that at least. So let's hope it doesn't result in any kind of massive redeployment to Afghanistan. What are you going to be watching for in the coming weeks? I'd be curious to see exactly how much the U.S. intelligence machine can do this. The problem, when they don't have the boots on the ground, this is the other kind of mm -hmm. side of the coin, it's really hard to run human sources from a distance. Trust me, we've, you know, we've done that in the past. So your human intelligence will be a little less reliable. You've got imagery. You've got satellites. You've got signals intelligence. I worked at CSE for 17 and a half mm -hmm. years for joint thesis, so I understand that. But it's a lot harder when you don't have as much on the ground. So are they you know, going to be able to rely on the Afghan army? or the Afghan intelligence service, perhaps. But I think it's, it's all, all, you know, all hands on board right now to find out exactly who, who in the zoo in, in Islamic State and Khorasan, find out where they are, and then make them pay for what happened yesterday at Kabul Airport. Phil Gursky, I always appreciate your time, and especially on a late Friday afternoon. Thank you for this. My pleasure, Arlene. You take care. Take care. Phil Gursky, the president of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting, director of the University of Ottawa Security Program, and a former analyst at CSIS and CSE for, for decades.